today on the Daily Scoop podcast from the Scoop News Group, modernizing the federal response to cyber breaches. If we can move away from reporting and move on to more automated monitoring, then we can really help to ease the burden on the agencies. And the lasting legacy of the Cyberspace Solarium Commission. It's delivered uh, over 36 recommendations that actually went into law. So uh, this is much more productive and effective as a model than what we've uh, used to be uh, seeing in the past. It's Thursday, January 13th, 2022. Welcome to the Daily Scoop podcast. Every afternoon, you'll learn what's going on today in government. I'm guest host of the Daily Scoop podcast, Billy Mitchell. Francis Rose is out today. Here's what's happening now. A new federal website to request COVID-19 rapid tests should be online by the weekend, according to White House Senior Advisor Dr. Tom Inglesby. The website was announced in December as part of the White House effort to make 500 million rapid tests available across the country. The White House is hosting an open-source software security summit today. Technology companies and federal agencies are discussing open-source software in response to the widespread Log4j vulnerability. Companies including Apple, Facebook, and Google will be in attendance. The Department of Commerce is seeking nominations for a new advisory panel on the Internet of Things. Commerce is putting together the panel to identify new threats and opportunities created by IoT. It's not too early to plan for IT Mod Week. It's coming February 28th through March 4th. More than 100 events will happen around D.C. with lots of government and industry speakers. You can find a link to learn more in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. You heard on yesterday's Daily Scoop podcast about a new draft legislation on Capitol Hill to revamp the Federal Information Security Management Act, or FISMA, including plans to codify the Federal Chief Information Security Officer as a statutory role. Francis spoke with Ari Schwartz, Managing Director for Cybersecurity at Venable and former White House Senior Director for Cybersecurity, about Congress's plans to modernize FISMA. So far, I think we've seen the Senate really focus on the idea of um, incident reporting, what is a significant incident, trying to define that more, uh, trying to quantify more how agencies are responding to those incidents, um, you know, how to keep that um, information together, kind of doing continuous monitoring on uh, known vulnerabilities um, and patching and reporting that, doing a better job reporting that. That seems to be the, the, the uh, approach from the Senate side. I mean, it's it's broader than that, but it's a very, very large bill. So we think it's a very long time to go into all of it. But just to give a sense of, of if I were to kind of try to come up with the major theme from it, that's really what uh, Senator uh, Peters um, and was 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 aiming for uh, there, and working with the, his uh, Republican counterpart as well. Um, so I think we uh, um, had. Uh, uh, good bipartisan effort there, and it has made some progress, and there are positive things from that. On the House side, it's still a little bit unclear what direction they're going to go totally. I mean, there's some, been some um, bills that have been put out there, but uh, the the uh, you have both government reform and uh, Homeland Security or, or oversight of government reform and, and Homeland Security both looking at it. And um, I think uh, they're willing to go uh, to move that forward, it seems, from what we're hearing from both of those committees. Um, but they also want to make sure that it addresses some of the areas that they've had um, some issues focused on. I think one of them that I'd like to really see is like the clarification of roles of where they can do it. 
of the National Cyber Director of the OMB, the OMB role, the the uh, what CIS is doing. Um, you know, some of that had been spelled out before, but the, I think it's become more confused, and we're seeing even more of that um, in this administration, where you have NSC, you know, continuing to do a lot of the role that they did before these other places even existed. So um, it's uh, I think there's some confusion there, and um, there's been some talk of doing an executive order on that. But even if that's the case, it would be good to codify that and, and move that forward too. So I think that you know, for me, that's one thing I've heard from. Some of them that there was interest in that I think that there, you know, there might be continued more uh, things to do there. So you kind of anticipated my next question, which is what should FISMA refreshment look like? What should it include? What would benefit the overall security posture of the individual agencies and the federal government enterprise, in your view, Ari? Well, I think that current draft actually might make that problem the problem I was just talking about worse. So I would I would uh, right now, and then again, that's you know it's still in, in process, and we can hope that it changes. But if they did have this thing about clarifying the roles, that would be important. I mean, right now, all the areas that they talk where they talk about um, what each place should do, it talks about the NC, NCD, the OMB director, and just working together on all these things rather than one being the leader um, or separating out what each one, who is the leader on specific areas of major incidents. Um, I don't think that that helps the agencies understand where they're supposed to go and how they're supposed to, uh, how to and who's supposed to be in the lead and how that's supposed to work. And, and even particularly, very most importantly, the national cyber director's job. What is the national cyber director's job? Um, you have NSC taking on a lot of things that, National Cyber Director is supposed to do, according to the National Cyber Director legislation, um, you have, um, now we have the federal CISO reporting to the National Cyber Director, which I think is helpful, right? Because then, then you also have, you have kind of a dual role where the national the, the federal CISO um, works with the National Cyber Director on federal systems, uh, also has the power at OMB to look at budgets and things like that. But none of that is in law. Right. That's all um, uh, was worked out, you know, at the end of the Obama administration when we felt as though agencies really needed to start stepping up and we needed leadership there. We created a federal CISO that like that needs to um, that needs to be put into law. I mean, the the Trump administration kept that going. Grant Schneider did a great job. um, And now you have Chris DeRussia there. He is doing a great job, and I, again, it's no slight on any of the, the people at the administration at all. But without codification, I think that um, it could disappear. It could not be treated as a less of a priority, et cetera. So I think that that continues to be a uh, a, a spot there. And I think that raising the federal CISO role in legislation, making them a deputy national cyber director, um, approving agency budgets in law, would be very valuable for some things that could be done. Agencies have complained about FISMA compliance as a compliance exercise and not necessarily a security exercise for years and years and years. What could potentially change that in any of the legislation that you've seen so far that would make it not, at least there's going to have to be a compliance exercise. There has to be some way for somebody to see yes, this agency is doing this or that or the other thing, but what could make it less of a futile compliance exercise the way that agencies feel it is today? Um, Well, one of the things that I think is good in the current legislation as far as the easing burden on agencies eventually, 
<laughs> right? In the short term, you know, I think it might raise its burden a little bit, but in the long term, it shouldn't need but, but because of this, is uh, the move towards beyond continuous monitoring and on into real time and automated monitoring, right? So once you set up the, mon the monitoring, if we can move away from reporting, right? And move on to more automated monitoring, right? Then we'll, we can really help to ease the, the kind of paper burden on the agencies and instead get still get leadership, the, the CISA in particular, but also still getting that information up to the White House um, of how agencies are doing um, and how that's improving. And then you know, perhaps pressure back to um, the individual agencies without the reporting piece of it that is so burdensome right now. So I think that that is a really potentially positive effort. Uh, it's worth pursuing. It's not the easiest thing to put together. Um, it's not easy to get agencies to prioritize the resources that they would need to move to automated uh, reporting in that way that would get us past this. But uh, um, it's it's easier to do, uh, say a report is due at this time this year than it is to say, no, you need to put money down so to move to automation. Um, so, but uh, I think that eventually if we do move to automation, we can get past a lot of the burden. So that, that automation process is going to make the lives of the inspectors general offices a lot happier too, because it will be easier for them to produce their audits uh, that I imagine the law will still require them to produce every year. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. Uh, I think that will make the, the, the IG's lives easier. Um, I also think one thing that's in there that I don't love the way that it's done right now, but in general, I understand where it's coming from. I hope it will help. Think it can help the IGs and others is the, the you know they're they're talking about automated about or um, regularizing the how penetration test results are posted right and maybe we can start to figure out ways to make that more a little more automated as well as we regularize it but um, the I think the issue is you don't want to create a database of uh, anywhere <laughs> of vulnerabilities. <laughs> that then someone can hack and find all the vulnerabilities of the agencies, especially when we know that agencies don't have all the money to in order to fix all those vulnerabilities, right? I mean, so it's one thing to know that they exist and to work on them and prioritize them. It's another thing to kind of leave that information somewhere um, that can be hacked and, and um, taken advantage of in this very short period of time. So I think we need to figure that out as well in this bill. Uh, so that just to talk about it because I think that that's something that really could help IGs to get, you know, you must do penetration tests on a regular basis and the results have to be available or to be upon request or, or um, you know, through through some kind of specific uh, authorization, et cetera, that can be, you can, and you can make it ways that are automated, but it shouldn't be something that is um, kept in a database somewhere. You can read more about modernizing FISMA in today's show notes at thedailyscooppodcast.com. I'm Fed Scoop Editor-in-Chief Billy Mitchell sitting in for Francis Rose on the Daily Scoop Podcast. For more of the latest from Washington, follow the Daily Scoop Podcast at Daily Scoop Pod on Twitter and search the Daily Scoop Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook. The Cyberspace Solarium Commission is transitioning to a nonprofit organization starting this month. My Scoop News Group colleague James Mahoney spoke with Chris Kamiski. CEO at Comiskey Strategic Solutions and former Acting Undersecretary for Management at the Department of Homeland Security about the legacy of the commission and the state of federal cybersecurity today. I think this really is a model for the federal government. Uh, through the years, you see a lot of commissions come and go. 
and oftentimes they really don't result in much uh, other than shelfware. Uh, this commission uh, was bipartisan. It was created by Congress. Uh, it was bicameral between the House and the Senate uh, and really has delivered uh, over 36 recommendations that actually went into law. So uh, this is much more productive and effective as a model than what we've uh, used to be uh, seeing in the past. Yeah, and I think another key part to this too is maybe this wasn't uh, wasn't one of the results of the commission, but it's all it's sort of signaling that change in mindset in the government. Um, this commission sort of was hatched to be proactive, right, to to avoid the next big cyber attack. And I think that's kind of what we're seeing in the government too is maybe this proactive thinking of avoiding that next big cyber attack and also changing that mindset from a matter of not if there's a next big cyber attack, but for when the next big cyber attack or maybe next big cyber breach occurs, how to sort of make sure that we're staying ahead of the ball. Yeah, I think that's true. I think that the commission was aided by the fact that they're in the midst of, you know, an ongoing assault on the country in terms of cyber attacks, uh, not just the U.S., but globally uh, with ransomware and uh, other you know, uh, attacks on uh, networks uh, that are taking place. And so what you're seeing is really the commission was able to take uh, part in this in a way that they're in the ecosystem uh, in the midst of this. And so I think Congress as a whole recognized that these uh, recommendations needed to be acted on and much more urgently than what you've seen with, with other topics uh, through the years. And a couple of the contributions from the, the commission, uh, you know, establishing the national cyber director role in the White House, you see Chris Inglis there now, uh, and increasing this role for CISA as sort of the cybersecurity response agency within government. How important is it to get sort of that centralized messaging and that centralized role within the federal government uh, for cybersecurity? It's, it's really essential to have that capability. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the cyber coordinator role was uh, first created in the Obama administration. So I had an opportunity to work with uh, Michael Daniel at the time, who was the first coordinator. Uh, but it really is susceptible to the, you know, the, the view of the administration as it moves through time. And so what happened uh, subsequently is that the position was eliminated. And so I think Congress recognized that uh, it really shouldn't be uh, subject to the changes of administration. And so by putting that in statute and requiring Senate confirmation, it really stabilizes that role. And it's really a critical and essential uh, to the functioning of agencies in terms of response uh, when you've got the FBI and DHS and uh, DOD and all the different elements that would typically respond in these settings. Uh, having a central coordination role is really a key. And you know, on top of that, 36, three dozen recommendations implemented by the federal government, but no commission's perfect. Not every recommendation is implemented. Is there anything you see that or you've seen that maybe the commission missed or maybe on the other hand that the federal government just didn't adopt? Well, yeah, I think that the, the main recommendation that I think everyone is pointing to is the absence of reporting requirements uh, from the private sector to government in the wake of uh, a breach. And the commission uh, spent a lot of energy uh, around that recommendation. Uh, it looked like it had a chance to go into the most recent National Defense Authorization Act, uh, but then fell off the table at the end uh, after a compromise was reached between the House and the Senate. So they're going to have to come back to the table and look for other vehicles for that in the future. But I think that was the main one that uh, they really had hoped to get. Uh, since 85% of the country's infrastructure is in the hands of the private sector, you really do need to have a strong partnership. Uh, and voluntary uh, compliance isn't always best when you've got these kinds of cyber breaches. Mm -hmm. and, and so what is that sort of discussion or maybe that protocol or law or legislation look like to, to require 
private industry to interact with the government uh, in a sense when their their systems, their software is breached? How what does that reporting system look like, and how how can the government sort of make industry comply with that? Yeah, well, it's usually done within the regulatory structure. So there are 16 critical infrastructures uh, in the U.S. And uh, as an example, with pipelines, after we saw the colonial pipeline uh, breach, uh, there was a real push to uh, have TSA, who is responsible for that sector, uh, reach out and strengthen the regulatory interface with pipelines. And so you did see that take place, but it's been really hit and miss across the critical infrastructure areas. So I think there was a, a sense from the commission that having one uniform standard uh, across all critical infrastructure was the best best approach. Uh, and unfortunately, we're still kind of in that zone where uh, different entities that have regulatory oversight in different sectors are applying different standards. Uh, usually it's between one to three days of re- reporting requirement uh, when a breach has occurred. Uh, and now you have kind of that that evolving in, a, in an organic state as opposed to a legislative act that could kind of give you a, a uniform playing field. So, you know, there'll be more to come on that front, but uh, certainly I think that's one where the commission would like to see additional progress. You can learn more about the cyberspace solarium commission in today's show notes at the daily The daily scoop podcast is available on all podcast platforms. If you've already rated the show on your platform of choice, thanks so much. High ratings and good reviews of the show help more people find it. The Daily Scoop podcast is a production of the Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helps put the show together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. One quick programming note, while it's been a pleasure being your host this week, Francis will be back for tomorrow afternoon's show. I'm Fed Scoop Editor-in-Chief Billy Mitchell. Thanks for listening.